Our second episode of the podcast is a very interesting one as it's gained more attraction in the world news the past couple of years. Oliver has a very interesting and elaborate understanding of history. So his interdictions and some viewpoints that he brings about, it's very interesting. We talk about the Chinese Communist Party, the Uyghur Muslims, and how the Chinese Communist Party is combating what they call as a problem with extremism, terrorism in China. And they use this as a scapegoat to target the Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang region of northwestern China. It's a very interesting conversation, and it gets very creepy the more you dig into it. I'll have references uh, to links to articles, to YouTube videos. Encourage you to look it up yourself. It's always better to get that firsthand information and enjoy the podcast. Well, it seems as though China has a very interesting perspective as they want to garner more relevance and influence in the rest of the world. Belt and Road is pretty interesting. I was kind of, some of the videos I was listening to and watching the other day, kind of talked about the Belt and Road initiative a little bit, but um, it's, um, they're really trying, or they're really implementing a lot of policies and procedures to 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 gain access into the rest of the world. Right. Um, and there's not like really like a map. It's not like any physical structure, although there are some physical structures of the Belt and Road Initiative, like railways. Oil but, pipelines. Yeah, oil pipelines, uh, communication pipelines, or uh, communication lines, too. But, um, yeah, it's like imaginary drawn out lines, but you know, if if it was like overlaid on a map, like there would it you can kind of see where where it's lead where it's leading to coming from. And it's pretty interesting how a lot of it goes through the north through the northwestern portion of China, through the Xinjiang region, where in that region there's a lot of resources they are using. And part of their efforts for the Belt and Road Initiative, and then obviously for, um, you know, we get the, the Uyghur Muslim situation out there, which I believe they're using them, slave labor, to harness some of those resources. Right. So. There's rare mineral right. deposits in the deserts, but it's mostly like. Like flatlands, more closer to like uh, Kazakhstan or whatever other Yeah, it's pretty interesting.
open the cover, but basically for trucks or trains at this point, not horse trucks are probably also railroads, but also pipelines. What everybody is going to be after very soon is the oil, the hydrocarbon deposits in those areas. And another right. interest is the Fergana Valley. Did they talk about that, what you saw? Say again? Have you heard anything about the Fergana Valley? Uh, no, I can't recall. There's these two countries. I don't know if it's like Turkmenistan and Tajikistan or... I know the five countries. I just don't remember where they are exactly. So really interesting situation over there between water and power and electricity. There's two countries that are not getting along because of energy, basically. And China is going to probably try to capitalize on that because they also have hydrocarbon. Right. Yeah, the two countries you're thinking of west of the Xinjiang region is Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan. Right. Okay, yes. Yeah. And that, um, the Valley on the map? Valley. How far? And I'm not sure. It should be. It should um, bridge the border between them, if I remember correctly. Anyways, that area. Yes, and then where else are they planning on going? Yeah, the sketchiest thing that they're going to have to do. I don't know if they really plan on doing it, but going to Pakistan and Afghanistan are going to be the two sketchiest things because Pakistan is temperamental. And Afghanistan needs no explanations. Yeah. It's interesting. I was diving into a lot of that, the Uyghur Muslim situation. Um, but it's, it's just interesting that um, China basically, it's, it, it's mostly Han. About 80 or 90 in the country is Han, and then you have a little bit of other minority groups. The bigger of the minority groups, it, I believe, is, is the Uyghur Muslims, but um, they're um, they're most closely they closely associated with Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan more so than mainland China, really. The culture, language, and China's on an active campaign right now to, you know, they're not, it's like genocide in a different way where they're not killing them off, their population off, at least not, not that we know of, but they're going through active campaigns of this forced sterilization of the women, so women cannot get birth anymore. If they're forcing these women to go to go to doctors, go to hospitals, and to you know have some type of birth control implementation device or some type of procedure done to prevent them from giving birth, and if they are get, if they are pregnant, then. They will um, abort that baby somehow, some way. That's um, really interesting about the fertility, or uh, you call it eugenics. Is basically what that is. Okay. Um, 
there's like cultural genocide. Not necessarily, not necessarily that they are trying to systematically extinguish the culture itself, but in the area that China controls, because if they were to have any kind of conflict with those people, it would severely impact their Belt and Road Initiative. Well, the, the, they're, they're, they're exploiting the, these group of people in to further enhance the Belt and Road Initiative, but it's pretty interesting because China, in more recent years, I mean, they're kind of just doing this in what seems like just kind of out in the open. Like, they're not really denying it, though. They're not really denying it. We can see aerial footage of it. Um, I think especially think Ping started this program of rounding up Uyghur Muslims back in 2017 to put them in these camps, um, start this whole campaign. Um, but um losing my train of thought, but um, – it's just it's just interesting how like they just they they have no regard for it and they're just kind of like yeah we're doing this without really saying yes we're doing this. Part of um, what they're doing is so those, so there's the concentration camps there's there's the camps that people are being putting in where there's torture there's rape. Um, then there's then there's other types of camps too, which they disguise them, they label them as like re-education schools, some type of. Um, yeah, you know, that's kind of like the way the mafia was organized crime, but they went legitimate. So sure. they're trying to do something that is very similar to what the Nazis have done. Maybe, well, definitely less extreme, but they're trying to do it in a way where they're passing it off as legitimate. And what they're really doing is not legitimate. They're claiming that it's um, they're combating extremism and terrorism. Because evidently, China claims it has a huge extremism terrorism problem, mostly with the Uyghur Muslims. And they, by doing all this, they all boil it back to this whole "we are doing this to combat extremism." That video I watched, I think it's from from Vox, V O X, Vox. This female reporter, she goes on the ground into the Xinjiang region of China. It's about a 30-minute video. Very interesting. Very interesting. And really interesting that you get that 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 eyes-on perspective on it. But just in that region, there's uh, it's in it's in it's in it's a police state. Like it really is. Like there's there's technical surveillance in and around businesses and places of congregation. Um, there's there's this one part of the, the video where the, the reporter, her and her camera crew that she's with, and the whole time she has to be like, they all have to be like really discreet about it. There's a couple of times where they're approached by Chinese police. And it's very interesting because it's like Chinese police are everywhere. Like they're walking up and down the street. They're there. They're Especially in this region, there's and it's really interesting just to show force by the law enforcement out there, is because you got people walking around. Well, these law enforcement officials walking around in groups, some carrying shields, some carrying what seems like you know riot. I believe it was like riot gear of some sort, and it's it's very the show of force is real. But they walk in some type of building. Um, it was like a business, like like um like a restaurant or some type of social gathering. And she claims she, and you can see it for yourself, but she claims that she counted up to 40 cameras inside this one building 
And you can see it as they're showing you as they're walking through. There's there's a there's a lot of cameras in there. But just before you go and before they went to this building and before going to any other like malls or shopping centers, you have to go through like a security. There's like a passport type of deal. They even have like QR codes outside some of these people's homes in, in this region. And then um they search your belongings and there's like a passport type of deal and then like they'll question people. It's very, very bizarre and it's very interesting to see that and then they they go through other areas they try to talk with people that are that are Uyghur um people that are Han and because apparently there's an increasing number of Han Chinese people moving into the region and some speculation is that it's China the Chinese Communist Party purposely into um, doing this to, I, I guess, in efforts to 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 um, water down, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to how I'm trying to explain this, but it's to water down the, the, the Muslim culture of the Uyghurs out there. It's not an unheard of tactic. The last time I remember hearing of people doing that was in, in Mexico, there was the Chichimec, uh, tribal coalition that was giving the Spanish a really hard time. The Spanish couldn't beat them in battle. So what the Spanish eventually did was to move in more and more people into their territory and then eventually, you know, stop fighting and let the people mix. And then eventually they had enough Spanish over there to where they just extended New, uh, New Spain over their Chichimec territories and then used things right. like missionaries and intermarriage and religion and all those things to turn it into New Spain. But the Chichimec had a reputation for not for not defeating the Spanish, but, you know, draw stalemates and just, you know, with bows and arrows, quite the accomplishment. So, I mean, for Han Chinese people, you, you bring in more and more, and then they bring their culture in with them. I don't know what religion these people, the Han, are, you know, but you bring that in. Then you bring in other institutions, like, say, banks and um, stores and just things where it's all Han and you acclimate the other cultures into each other. And obviously the Chinese Communist Party is doing a lot to suppress the Uyghurs and change them and enculturate them, especially those camps. And, and then eventually the Uyghurs start to become a minority and a minority, and then eventually they fade out, especially if they're practicing eugenics. Yeah, it's already a minority, but by the integration process, it's um, it seems like it's it's, inc it's increasing, it's putting a lot of pressure on the culture and in this ethnic group of people because China has a history of this. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting, and yeah. it's they're just probably going back. I, I don't know about this. Obviously, you kind of a better understanding of history in that type of regard, but it's probably they're probably just. And you know, in their perspective, in the CCP, like why you why why reinvent the wheel? Let's just go back to age-old tactics. And it's, I, I mean, I'm not to, it's it's smart in a way because you're 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 diluting, you're 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 diluting that cultural the group the population in which you kind of demonize, and right. the sentiment. And you go, when you go in this video, this video this video is very interesting. Um. This, the, the reporter female that she talks to a couple of people on this train, one woman in particular, and 
she's asking about like some of her things about what the the the, the government's doing out here in terms of the Uyghurs and put them in camps and um, what do you think about that? And then she kind of went on to describe this Han Chinese woman went to describe like she can't talk about you know what the government's doing, but you know like they're they're doing things for the betterment of China essentially. And she went on kind of criticized the Uyghur Muslims. But based on that interview, that conversation with her, she had that with that woman, it just kind of seems like the Chinese Communist Party has done a good job on demonizing this group of people and to kind of promote this 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 pride of unity and one country, one group and one party. One party, exactly. And you know, that it's it's they're, they're they're doing it in several different ways, and you know they're not going on this genocide. We're I, we're not. There's a lot. There's a lot of leaked documents that have come out. A lot of information that's come out about what the Communist Party is doing. Um, however, there's a lot we don't know, like in terms of number of people. Like rough, there's roughly 12 million Uyghur Muslims in that in that region, and it's estimated just under two. Yeah, and it's estimated two of that, two roughly two million, are currently in these camps. Um, That's a lot of camps. Yeah, it is. Um, it goes. It goes to. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if it wasn't that video. It was one of the other videos I sent out. Um, there's aerial footage that they see from 2017 going forward in the Xinjiang region of these build up these these sites that are being built up and manufactured into small city like um areas and when you when you when you watch some of these videos on YouTube you can see it's very it's a, you know it's like a prison camp of some sort um but they're masking it by uh, calling it something else you know just you know make it seem a little less uh, dirty in a way but there's there's barbed wire there's the there's guard towers there's there's the, um, the security cameras, so it kind of shows us something of protection or um, keeping something in, like one, one of the two. Um, but it's, it's very, very, really weird that the, the, um, their, their procedures in which they are implementing, but especially with the children. So with the children, right? That they're putting them in what they call them, like, um, like it's like a re-education school system, or what they're trying to call it. And, and and it is to a degree, but it's it's a um, propaganda school, really. Yeah. They they go to these schools and they have to even adults too. I mean, like there's there's pictures too, part of the Chinese propaganda that they want to promote. You know, we're fighting we're fighting and combating extremism, and we're putting people in these you know adolescent children to adults into these areas to. To help promote them in their community, to, to to acclimate them into a world, so they're not, you know, enticed to be extremists. Um, yeah. But they have to expel Chinese propaganda. Um, and it was really interesting. Some of the characters, because um, in the box video, they go to I think it was Turkey, where some of these people who eventually were able to get out of these camps. And one of them was on um, China Uncensored recently, within the last few months. I gave an interview to them about his time in the camp. Um, but it was like a roundtable, and they, they were just 
they were interviewing these people that were in these camps and talked about what they what they witnessed and what they heard and what they described and what they experienced and none of it good. You know, a lot of it was torture, this one dude's perspective and to related to back to the interview he had on China and Censor, because I watched that one. And it was it wasn't a matter of if you got raped, it was just how much you got raped on a daily basis. Or torture too. It's very, very <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like, just it's very interesting what's going on. But they're going about it. I mean, I, the international community, they're kind of it's gaining more traction in the international community, and people are trying to boycott it. I think, um, I think the United States has stated they're not going to send something with the the Olympics that's coming up. I forgot what it was. Beijing 2022. Olympics and the political boycott thereof. Why? Something like that. So, I mean... Yeah. It's kind of gaining some traction in the world stage. Some people are calling it out. Some people are trying to bring out more awareness on it. And But it's, it's different because if they were just throwing people in gas chambers all day long and then burning their bodies, that's hard now. That would be hard. It would... It, it would be hard to hide that nowadays. And if that was going on, if that's what was exactly going on in full-blown, in the open, like, there would definitely be a reactionary effort in the international community. But the way they're going about it now in these other ways of um, um, brainwashing people from you know, children to adults and, you know, Yeah. The thing about uh, the children and and young adolescents is you can use enough propaganda and things like that to, I don't know about the word brainwash, but to make them basically into Han Chinese or whatever they want to, basically. You know, in communist Russia, they would... um, when you entered into the public school system, you would join, like, the Lenin youth group, basically, as a member of the Communist Party. Hitler had, Hitler um, had a similar thing, right? Well, yeah, because you and get them while they're young, and they will – you can indoctrinate them into your whatever. I mean, in this case, it's probably mostly culture and an effort to erase the Uyghur culture and what? instill within them Han culture. But it's kind of weird when you talk about like later adolescents and adults, because you can't use propaganda on them to the same effect. Like you can lie and things like that, but they've already lived like a weaker life in the beginning. Well, that's the thing. Like they see that the lies are lies, they're gonna they're gonna check what they know, or not check what they know. That's kind of a weird way to say it, but but that's what the coercion, the torture. In the rape, like that's where that's yeah, the tactic that's being used for those people, for the older, for the older generation, for the old, older, older groups. They, they use those tactics on those people. But yeah, I don't know what they think they're gonna do with the older people because you can't really change them. It's like you read nice. You should really get 1984 as an audiobook and listen to it. Have you read it yet or listened to it yet? 
I have not yet, but it's being referenced so much, I think I need to in order to get a better understanding. There's a thing about doublespeak and doublethink in 1984, and Orwell even put in the back kind of like, I don't know, would you call it a glossary or appendix? Um, about all the ideas and things that he was talking about in his book, kind of like just him like explaining it and what it means and how it works. And so if you had somebody who was so indoctrinated with propaganda that, you know, you could tell them one thing one day, this person is the enemy and they would be chanting to their death. And the next day, correct yourself and say, there are allies. Just basically go with it. And it's really interesting. You should definitely read that one. I think it's free on Audible. And uh, I think I listened to it. No, I only listened to it once. I probably tried it a second time, but I probably didn't listen to it a second time. Right. See, you could do that when you start young. Because it's the whole life, and, and it becomes reality, even if it's not true. And it's hard for people to get out of that later in life, like, say, people who leave the Amish. I'm not trying to compare Chinese people to Amish people, but just, like, the ideas and the way of life. Or, like, let's say other cults. And then later on in life, they'll be more susceptible to cult-like organizations. And that's been – they talk about that later on in life. They've left things like the arms. That was one I heard. The yeah, adults, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do with the adults because you can't do the same thing with them. I mean, you can break them, but then what are you going to just like release them back into society for the rest of the weaker people to be like, they broke you? Like, right. not part of it. Yeah, what I, I don't know what the long term goal it, 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 it'd be. They're trying to die off the population, right? That's why that's why they're forced sterilizing these women. I mean, one of these videos that I watched, like this woman was told by the Chinese party to go to the hospital on a certain day and a certain time and have um one of the it's one of those things that they you know they put inside the woman to prevent pregnancy, but um but it's you can chemically sterilize people easily. I don't know sure. if they do that in like as an elected elective medical procedure with humans, but I do know that they have medications for like dogs and other animals to chemically sterilize them so that you don't have to have your dogs like neutered or spayed. Spayed? I don't know. Um, so I mean, if you really want to do it to a person, I'm sure you could. And but this surgery, which is a hysterectomy, but why waste so much resources? We can just come up with chemicals. Sure. There's, there's plenty of ways to do it. And eugenics is never a good thing. And that's something like if I started reading Brave New World, I didn't get through it. Like the whole beginning of Brave New World is like a tour through the centralized government's laboratory where they artificially inseminate. All the people are artificially inseminated. Like, they're test tube babies, like, literally, literal test tube babies, and they're just genetically modified and conditioned in infancy. And eugenics is just, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's absolutely. I just don't know what they do with the adults. It would be, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what, it'd be easier to kill them. Because what are you going to do with them? You can, you can take generations and imprison them and basically wait for them to die. 
that's probably and what at the intended. same time through eugenics prevent people from having new kids and then indoctrinating kids that are already there. But if you only have two out of 12 million, I just, because you don't want to sustain that for so long. I mean, if it was one lifetime, like taking somebody who's 17, imprisoning them for a short life, making their life short just in by the conditions. But see, you don't want to just keep that up indefinitely. And then it wouldn't even work. This is just, I don't know. But I no matter what it is, they got a plan. Promise you, no matter what it is, you just turn no, it they got a plan. plan. They know what the end goal is. I just don't know if we know it. Like you said, so that interview with that, that roundtable discussion with those former detainees in those camps, I mean, they once they were able to go to Turkey and kind of like be themselves, they, you know, acclimated to the culture, practiced their religion. They did what they wanted. So, I mean, like, you can, you can only, you can't really, you can't really change people if the person is not, is not willing to change. You can coerce them, you can intimidate them, you can torture them, and they'll give in the moment, but did you really break and change them? I, I, I don't see that as, I don't see that as highly probable on a mass sense. Um, but, you know, part of it, I think they're going to use a big part of the population for work and forced labor for the Belt and Road Initiative. I don't know. But they're definitely trying to hinder this culture of people, forced sterilization part, but really scream at that at the most as if they, they're trying to prevent them from furthering along their their family line. Maybe maybe it's possible that Chinese Communist Party have seen what Muslims have done in other places or not even Muslims but Muslim extremists in other parts of the world and if there were to be um, a jihadist insurgency in that region of China it would be they could grind the Chinese down to a halt for what they want to do because I mean, what China ultimately would want is infrastructure and trade and travel through those regions, you know. But a, a guerrilla fighting force—that's basically right. what they what they do best is to stop something like that. You know, it's hard to stop a, a formal army, a large mechanized formal army, as an insurgency, but you could absolutely try to make it too costly for them to continue. I mean, that was one of the things that one of the people closest to Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden was saying that basically in America the war isn't in, in, in uh, Iraq. It's in America. All that they're doing in Iraq is to make it as expensive, expensive as possible and to go to America as an unpopulated um Americans here and then use their own citizens to their children as citizens within government to bring Sharia law, which is also a strategy, but damn good strategy. I don't really think that's very possible. So, you know, China is looking into the future the way that the Chinese do, see that this is a, a possible 
major problem, this is the way that the Chinese would do it because to go back to history, the Fertile Valley of China and the Chinese, the Han Chinese expansion from that area, or I don't know if that was Han at the time. This is the region north of the Fertile Valley that was Han. Got to a certain point where they just used the culture to expand. They expanded and then they implemented their culture as they did to bring, you know, homogeny to their nation state. That's one of the ways that China does things. It's very soft power. Because the days of of hard power, kinetic warfare are over because of nuclear weapons mostly. I mean, even without nuclear weapons, it would just be like, fucking, I mean, look at World War One and World War Two, Nightmare. Fucking nightmare. And economics, culture, tech, you can get a lot done like that, and China has gotten a lot done. And you don't have to shed any blood, or at least very little. Little enough to where nobody would really know about it. And that's the way China does stuff. Yeah, so I'm looking at an article right now. It's um, a couple years old, but um, this is talking about the woman in the, I believe it was in the 30-minute video by Fox. So, forced sterilization of Uyghurs. A teacher from camp from the camp spoke out against inhumane treatment she witnessed in an interview with The Guardian. Authorities of the camp told her to, told, God damn it, told her to get an I. UD, IUD, IUD. at the age of 50. She also recounts how authorities also demanded many other women between the ages of 19 and 59 to do the same. She faced a series of health consequences following her IUD. Eventually, authorities forced her into a sterilization procedure. An investigation by the Associated Press found that the state regularly subjects minority women to pregnancy checks and forces intrauterine devices God damn it, I can't read. Sterilization and even abortion on hundreds of thousands. Uyghurs who have multiple children are met with massive fines as well as the threat of being separated from their families and taken to attainment camps. China is no stranger to attempting control of its population birth rate. Jacob describes how the Chinese government forced untold numbers of Han women to undergo forced sterilization during the Mao years and Deng years, all in the, same, all in the name of population control and in support of one-child policy. Today, the government regulations of the Uyghurs first have already had a profound impact on their population. The AP found that birth rates have fallen more than 60% from 2015 and 2018 in the predominantly Uyghur regions of Hotan and Kashgar. Additionally, the region of Xinjiang, which has long been home to the Uyghurs, has seen birth rates drop nearly 24% from yeah, last year, so 2019. So... Chinese government's forced sterilization of Uyghurs reflects a knowing effort to control ethnic groups in the future. In an interview with NPR, researcher Adrian Zen stated, evidence now, the evidence now for the very first time very specifically meets one of the five criteria set forth by the United Nations Convention for the Punishment and Prevention of Crimes of Genocide from 1948, which specifically says suppression of birth. This means that China's actions are not only endangering the Uyghur people now, but threatening the group's future survival as well. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of creepy. It's very, very, very creepy. That's eugenics for you. Very creepy. That's not and necessarily and, new. 
Sure. But it is creepy and it's, you know, it's kind of based on they're de- they're demonizing this group of people and they're getting the rest of the population on board with it, similar to what Hitler did. Like Hitler, I mean, for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, most of Germany, except for those that worked in the German government and the military that worked those camps, had no idea of Hitler's final solution. But they did, he did, and the Nazi party did a good job of propagandizing and demonizing Jews to a point where we have to eradicate these people because this is a danger to our society. And they did that. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Um, I don't know how a country gets like that. Like the people be fooled like that and misled, but not surprising. I mean, people are gullible. And um, China's hitting global domination from so many different directions. And um, it's really crazy because they're, they're competent. I mean, they're being successful. Or they are having a lot of success with what they're trying to do because they're using very dirty, underhanded tactics. And, uh, but they're effective. I mean, and they're getting a lot of money too. I mean, I mean, like, where are their biggest purchaser? America has a bigger economy than most European nations, and most European nations are, like, if there are a hierarchy of economies in Europe, the bottom ones are all in debt to the top ones, and the top ones are all in debt to America. And America's economy with is much stronger, but also China um, exports more goods and services, I don't know how to say it exactly, to America than America to China, which is one of the reasons why we have such a strong economy. And I mean, so it's almost like they already won that game. I mean, it'll never be over. There'll always be an economy, so they have to maintain it. In the tech, they're leading in, well, I don't know this for sure, but I, I feel like I was listening to something where they do lead in artificial intelligence and robotics. They probably have some other strong competitors. And um, I would believe that. I mean, yeah, well, Hampton Robotics and Bengal's team on AI. And they're um, winning that one right now. What is it on the moon? That 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 uh, weird artificial structure that was um, taking a picture of. You know what I'm talking about? I haven't heard about that, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, this was this this, this week. Um, there was there's a picture that's floating around the internet of a um, square-like shape. Some people described it as like house-like structure on um, taken from this Chinese um, moon rover, um, taken from afar, and the picture is very grainy, not very good. But there's this mysterious uh, mysterious object up there, and now the Chinese rover is going to investigate it for the next couple of weeks. That's pretty freaking cool. Robot wars. Oh, <laughs> electronic warfare, more like. Yes, I have to go now. But we should talk right. more about China tomorrow. Sure, absolutely. It was a good conversation.
Absolutely. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Later.